Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We hope that you'll be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. What I, what I found, I found in a Chuck Missler um, a, a YouTube was this thing called Who is Jesus? And I'd like to read it because there's just so much um, positive um, attributes to Jesus that come forward in this, uh, the, these passages. And uh, so there it is. Siobhan has managed to get it up. We battled to get it between us in communication, but we've got it there now. And okay, so if you watch it, and just I'll read and just just... Enjoy. He is King of the Jews, King of Israel, King of all ages, King of heaven, King of glory, King of kings, and Lord of lords. He is a prophet like Moses, a priest like Melchizedek, a champion like Joseph, an offering in place of Isaac, a king from the line of David, a wise counselor above Solomon, a beloved, rejected, exalted son like Joseph, and yet more. The heavens declare his glory, and the firmament shows his handiwork. He who is, who was, and who always will be. The first and the last. He is the Alpha and the Omega. The Elf, Elf and the Tau. The A and the Z. He is the first fruits of them that slept. He is the I Am that I Am. The voice of the burning bush. He is captain of the Lord's hosts. He is the conqueror of Jericho. He is enduringly strong. He is entirely sincere. He is internally steadfast. He is immortally graceful. He is imperially powerful. He is impartially merciful. In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, the very God of the very God. He is our kinsman redeemer. He is our avenger of blood. He is our city of refuge, our performing high priest, our personal prophet, our reigning king. We are the beneficiaries of a love letter. It was written in blood on a wooden cross erected in Judea 2,000 years ago. He was crucified on a cross of wood, yet he made the hill on which it stood. By him and and, and my him were all things made that were made, and without him was not anything made that was made. By him all things are held together. What held him on the cross? It was not the nails. At any time he could have declared, I'm out of here. It was his love for you and me. He was born of a woman, so we could be born of God. He humbled himself so we could be lifted up. He became a servant so that we could be made co-heirs. He suffered rejection so we could become his friends. He denied himself so that we could freely receive all things. He gave himself so he could bless us in every way. He was available to be tempted and tried. He blesses the young. He cleanses the leper. He defends the feeble. He delivers the captive. He discharges the debtors. He forgives the sinner. He franchises the meek. He guards the beseeched. He provides strength to the weak. He regards the angel. He rewards the diligent. He serves the unfortunate. He sympathizes and he saves. His offices are manifold. His reign is righteous. His promises are sure. His goodness is limitless. His light is matchless. His grace is sufficient. His love never changes. His mercy is everlasting. His word is enough. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. The heaven of heavens cannot contain him. Man could not explain him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him. 
and learned, and learned that they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find fault in him. The witnesses couldn't agree against him. Herod, Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't kill him. The grave couldn't hold him. He has always been and always will. He has no predecessor and no successor. You cannot impeach him, and he isn't going to resign. His name is above every name that the name that at the name of Yeshua, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. What a lovely, lovely uh, message. And um, now my screen has gone upside down, but I just. But that is really lovely. I, I, I took screenshots of it, hundreds of them, I think. And then, and then I, I had to, um, and then I had to um, type it all up. Anyway, what I want to talk to you today about is the sixty-seventh book of the Bible. Do you know which book that is? How many books in the Bible? Sixty-six. Well, we're going to talk about the sixty-seventh book of the Bible, and we do know that. There are 66 in our, in, books in our Bible, and that in Revelations 21, verse 18, it says, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. So we know we can't add actually to the book. We can't put in another, uh, another chapter, another book, another epistle. But... The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 2, and by the way, when Clive started his little um, prayer, I thought I may as well go home because he summarized a lot of what I've got to say. So you almost made me redundant. <laughs> but it says there, you are an epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. This is Paul, and he's telling the Corinthians that you are an epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not in ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. So the, the Scriptures are really written in your heart, and you become an epistle that other people read and watch and look at and make judgments on who Jesus is and, is, and who the church is. When, when you miss it and you act badly, it reflects badly on the church because you tell them, I'm a Christian. And then you do something that really ticks them off and they get cross with the church. And that's so sad. So all who, who you come into contact with in your daily lives are reading you like a book. They may never open the Bible, but you are representing Jesus whether you open your mouth or not. Ephesians 4, verse 11 and 12 says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some teachers, apostles and teachers. Now, for many, many people, we think that Everything needs to be done by the pastors. Everything needs to be done by the pastors. They're the one that must do all the work. We will bring our tithes into the storehouse, and they need to get on and do everything. 
But let's read a little bit further. <laughs> For the perfecting of the saints. And who are the saints? You all. You're all the saints. Sorry, I didn't press down that. There's also the, the pastors that need to be doing all the work of the ministry. I just pointed over there, but I should have been pointing over there. But, so, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. So their job is to perfect you, so that you go out and do the work of the ministry. It's your job to do the work of the ministry, not their job. So really, if your neighbor is sick, before you phone the pastor and say, come and pray, go next door and pray for them. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Um, from the scripture, we glean that it is the apostles, prophets, and evangelists, and pastors, and teachers' job to perfect the saints, and that is you. Why? For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So the people out there need to be ministered to by you. And it's the pastor's job to make sure that you perfected to do that job. Amen? If I'm wrong with anything, tell me. I need to know before I leave. <laughs> In Mark 16, verse 15 to 18, it says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's our instruction. It didn't say the pastors. He said, all of you need to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. It, it, it doesn't say, he that joins your church shall be saved. It says, he, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And these shines, signs shall follow them that believe. How many of you here believe? We've got any believers here? I don't see many hands. Any believers yet? Any believers. And, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. Oh, no. Oh, we, get, we, better get, we better get into our closet and pray for six days in case we meet the devil. No. There's no difference in casting out a devil than in praying for a cold. Just believe that it's your work. And you know, I've always said, we're in, we're, we're in sales. We're not in dispatch. We're in sales. The Bible says, pray for the sick, and they shall recover. It doesn't say, you will heal them. It says, pray for the sick. Lay your hands on the sick, and they shall recover. God's in dispatch. We're in sales. So just pray for the sick, and expect God to do His job. You do your job, and he will do. And they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Now, first of all, this doesn't mean you go out looking for serpents. But we know that Paul accidentally picked up a snake, and it did not harm him. So that's the... And then, um, and if you drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Now, um, I was in a meeting with, with two pastors... And the one pastor said, when he got a coffee machine in his kitchen, or in his book room, actually, they had a, he said, that's, I, I thought I was in heaven. And the other pastor said, you know, there are scriptures for coffee. He says, if you, lay, if you drink any deadly thing, uh, uh, if you drink any poison, you know, <laughs> uh, you, can, you know, you can drink poison and, and it, it shall not hurt you. And so he said he'd never drank 
coffee in his life. But I'm sure we're not like that. We drink our coffee. Um, and then in Second Peter 1, verse 21, it says, For the prophecy came not in old times by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So that we know from this scripture, all the prophecy, all the Bible from Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hezekiah, all of them, they were moved by God to write this word. They were moved by God. It just wasn't their idea, let's write a book. They were moved by God. God inspired them to write these, these words. Um, and then in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17, it says, All Scripture is given by God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Righteousness. Um, I like the word profitable because every businessman or every person that's in business wants to have a profit at the end of the month or at least at the end of the year so that the, he can give some to the tax man. He definitely wants to have a profit so that he can give some to the tax man, right? I don't mind that, actually. I'd rather have a profit and give some to the tax man than have a loss and not give anything to the tax man because then I don't get anything for myself if I've got a loss. So, but, it, but the scripture is profitable. Profit is something that is, is worthwhile. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Michael. So we ourselves are God's word. and Sorry, we, we need to fill ourselves with God's word that we may become the representation of God or Jesus to all we see and meet. You really need to make sure that you're putting God's word in by coming to church, getting word, getting fed, getting perfected by the, the, the pastors in order to go out and do that work and to make sure that when you're seen of man, you portray Jesus and not some other spirit. And then it says, It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. This is John 6, verse 63. And the words that I speak, this was Jesus speaking, they are spirit and they are life. God's word, the Bible, is spirit and therefore talks to our spirit, and it's life. It brings you life. The Bible says he sent his word and it healed them. And so the, the words of God are extremely important. The Bible says his words will never return void. So when we speak God's word, we can be assured that those words will not return void. They won't come back without completing the task for which they were sent. So we can, we can expect those things that we, we say to come to pass. And so, I, I, and I know I've done this before in, in, in this church, but this is a, a blank piece of paper, and I folded it beforehand because I don't want to take too much time. So as you get the word in, as you take in the message, as you read the Bible, as you minister, and as you listen to God, He folds you and changes you and makes you different and you become different. So you start off at this flat sheet, and God molds you and shapes you. I don't know if there's any artists here, but the artist will take a lump of clay, and after a little bit of while, they'll turn it into a beautiful sculpture of a face, of a bird, of something. I, I don't know if you've been to Century City lately. Century City is full of artwork at the moment. All around, there's statues, big ones, tall ones, faces all over the place. It's quite amazing. But so God wants to change you. God wants to make you different. You come in when you originally come in and 
you've got lots of flaws and lots of faults. But as you read the Word, as you see things in the Bible, as you, you learn to love your neighbor as yourself, God changes you and makes you different. But then He brings out the scissors. And He starts to take off the things that are not actually necessary. And there's lots of things that we do in life that we spend more time in than we should. And so He takes out the scissors and he takes out, and, and uh, this is as we're learning, as we're growing, we become more and more and more and more and more and more like, like Jesus. Amen. And, and so, so, so that's our aim, to become like Jesus, not to stay. And if you take these little pieces, you can turn them into the word help. So you cut the hell out of you. <laughs> you can turn that. I haven't got time for that today. But, um, you know, it makes me think of Smith, the book of Smith Wigglesworth's wife. wife. We, got, we know that in this audience here, we're preparing the book of Megan, the book of Michael. All these books are being prepared, the book of Mark, and so on. And, and all these books are, are, are being prepared. But there was one lady who was known as the book of Smith Wigglesworth's wife. We don't know her name. I don't know if her name was in, the, in his book. But Smith Wigglesworth's wife went to church every Sunday, and it made Smith Wigglesworth mad. And one day he told her not to go to church, and she refused. She said, I'm going to church. I love you, and I'm a good wife, but I'm going to church so he took away all her shoes, he hid them. And so she found her gumboots, and she went to church in her gumboots, in her galoshes. And another time, he, 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 she went to church, he locked the door, closed the door, and left her outside. And he woke up in the morning, he looked out, he couldn't see her. He opened the door, and opened the door, and in she rolled. She was sleeping on the veranda and up against the door. But this action, of her action, in being so much like Jesus, in being so much like God wanted her to be, and loving him so much, and not getting angry with him because what he did, she just loved him through it all. And eventually he became a Christian. And he went around doing great and mighty things. He raised people from the dead. He preached as an evangelist in many, many parts of the world. So he was... Um, an amazing man, but it was his wife that encouraged him, that brought him to that particular position. And, and so your book, your book, the book of Robin, is unique because it's, it's your book, it's you. Don't try and become Michael, become Robin, and just be you, but be you in a way that brings glory to Jesus. So then we're going to change track slightly, and we're going to look at this parable of, of, of the man who invited people to supper. There was a, a, a Luke 14, verse uh, 16 to 23. Then said he unto him, that's Jesus, a certain man made a great supper and bade many. He sent his ser servant at supper time to say to them that are bidden, Come, for all things are ready. And they with, all with one consent began to make excuse. We can't come to, to church on Sunday, Pastor, because um, I've married a wife, and I've got to go. 
I've bought a house, and I've got to go to pledge. <laughs> I, I can't come next week, Pastor. Now, that's not an excuse. That's a reason. <laughs> but they made excuses. The one said, please excuse me, I married a wife. I bought a yoke of oxen. I married a wife, and, 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 and so on. And, and then he said to the servants, so the servants came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house became angry and said to the servants, go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, this is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is still room. There's still one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There's lots of chairs here. And so he said, go out again. And, and, and go into the highways and the side roads and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Now, um, if you went to a restaurant down here at Pinelands or wherever you go to restaurants, Durbanville, and you walked in and they said to you, here's the menu, and you will note that the prices are pre-2000. You can get a big steak for 30 rand. You can get coffee for 5 rand. You can have a glass of wine, if you want a glass of wine, for 7 rand 50. And the food was perfect. It was lovely. The ambiance was beautiful. The setting was great. Everything was perfect. And it was so cheap. What would you do? You would run home and immediately get out your iPad or you've probably taken photographs of the food and maybe of the menu, and you tweet it and, and Facebook it and share it with everybody you know. I wouldn't because I, didn't want, I don't want anybody else to go to that restaurant. I just <laughs> want to go myself. <laughs> but most likely you would tweet it and send it out there, and you would have everybody that you know would know that there's this fine restaurant in Durbanville in Pinelands, and it's serving food at pre-2000 prices. Why do you do that? Because you want to bless your friends, you want to bless the people that know you, because you just want to share that positive information with everybody you can. Well, the pastors, that's Michael and and, and Andreas and even Stephen and everybody. The pastors here, they spend long hours slaving over the hot stove, preparing the perfect meal for Sundays. They shop for the perfect leg and lamb or the perfect chicken. They source the freshest vegetables that you can find. They spice the meat. They braise the meat before they actually cook it, so it's nice and brown. They do everything they know to prepare a wonderful banquet for Sunday. Michael's praise and worship here is the table setting, and Stephen and Nicole assist, and they bring out the best silverware and crockery, but they make a fine setting for a fine meal. Somebody asked once, what's the purpose of praise and worship? Why should we have praise and worship? Let's just get into the word. Forget about praise and worship. So the, the, the person that they asked the question to said, well, 
why do you till the ground before you plant the seed? Why don't you just take the seed and throw it onto the hard, dry ground? No, you till it first, you make it soft. And that's exactly what happens when this music plays. We get a soft heart that we can take the word and it comes into us and it, 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 it grows quicker that way. So everything is ready every week for us to come and get an amazing meal. Well prepared and wholesome. When we, when we partake, it feeds our spirit and renews our mind. Which meal do you think of as, is more valuable? This meal that is prepared for us here every Sunday or the meal at that fictitious restaurant that I spoke about? It's this place. This place is of more value to your friends, to your colleagues, to your neighbors, to your family, than any meal at a, at a pizzeria or a fine dining experience in Durbanville Hills or Pinelands. This place is feeding us good food, good praise and worship, and we come away well fed. But unfortunately, we are not tweeting, we're not Facebooking, we're not telling the people out there or bringing them in. Up in that other thing it says, and he said, I compel you to go into, and the Lord said unto the servants, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come into my house that my house may be full. To come in that my house may be full. Compel them. Said to them, go, 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 go. And in reality, this place, and I'm going now, I know that, I'm not going to be here anymore, but this place is a fine dining establishment. It's a fine dining establishment. The food on, on offer here is excellent. The word is great. You get good teaching here that feeds your spirit and is well worth sharing with those people out there. The, you remember, you are that, that 67th book of the Bible. You need to show your pages to the people out there and share with them and compel them to come. Ask them to come on Monday, that person that you know. Ask them to come with you on Sunday. On Monday, you ask them. On Tuesday, you say, what about it? Please come. On Wednesday, you say, you said no yesterday, but have you changed your mind? Please come. <laughs> on Thursday, you say to them, are you sure you're not coming with me on Sunday? By Friday, they'll say, just to get you off their back, I'll come. <laughs> I'll come. I told the church that I, pastored, I, I taught at some time back that I'll hand out cable ties so they can tie the people up and bring them to church. <laughs> It was in a rural setting. I said, put them in a wheelbarrow and you can push them here. But bring them to church. There's, there's no point in being able to pray for the sick if there's no sick. Where are the blind people here? Where are those that you know, are deaf? Bring them. This is where they can get... You better deliver. <laughs> Amen. I, I want to hear about it. You'll... you'll when the first lame man walks. You know, I mean, we've just been through the book of Acts, and that story 
of the lame man at the gate beautiful is absolutely, absolutely amazing. Read it often, you know. Peter and Paul said, we've got nothing, but such as we have, give I unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And when that person comes into your, you come, you come aware of that person that is sitting there and can't walk, say to him, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Or at least bring him in that wheelbarrow <laughs> to you, so that Michael and Pastor Andreas can pray for them. You know, um, it really is sad, and even, I know we're in a strange time now with the chairs, but even before when we had um, not COVID, there were still seats that you could have put in here. It wasn't 100% full. And it's sad, because this place should be 100% full and overflowing. Because the teaching is good. It's a fine dining experience. It should be as difficult it is to get in here as the best restaurant in Cape Town is, because this is good food and good, good things. So, um, this church is amazing. I'll just say what I said. With good food, served on a regular basis, going to the side streets, the workplaces, the stores, etc., and compel them to come in, that this house may be full. And I know it's a strange times, but it, at least have it done by the time COVID is gone that this place is full up. So, you know, and, and then I just... Absolutely, absolutely. The teaching is excellent. You know, I, I've, I've, I take notes, and I've got it on my, um, in my iPad here, and the teaching from both these gentlemen and, and Stephen is really, really good. The only difference between these two and Stephen is he sits down. <laughs> but that's all right, Stephen. <laughs> but he sits down, and that's fine. But it's good, <laughs> it's good teaching, amen. You know, we're all different. Everybody's different. Everybody's book is different. And it's got a different purpose and is meant for different people. But make sure that you, you, you make sure you share your book. I just want to say that I... When I first got born again, back in about 1968, I got involved in the Methodist church at that point in time by dragging a hosepipe and watering the trees in the park. The church was on an open area, parkland, and, and the church, and I used to drag the hosepipe. It was obviously a drought time, and I watered the trees. But I've always been doing something in the church and doing something wherever I got involved in children's ministry. And when I, uh, or then... At, at times I was traveling to teach on children's ministry, and when anybody said they've got a camp, I was said, yes, I'll come and teach at your camp. I was always willing to do every opportunity I got to go and do whatever they wanted me at every opportunity. And most, well, except when I was in full-time ministry for two years, I wasn't paid anything for anything that I did, and that was fine. I never expected anything. But you know, God blessed me through my business and in my employment. And that's where I got blessed. And I worked hard. When I, was, when I left to go into full-time ministry, they replaced me with two people, two engineers. I, and when I came back again, those two engineers lost their jobs when I came back after two years. I came back to the same company. But I worked hard. 
I did whatever I could and I worked hard. But God blessed me because I worked hard. Don't, you know, do, do things. Get involved in this ministry in any way that you can. Get involved out there. Do things. When they call you and say they want to distribute food, be here. When the pastors say they want to paint the building, be here. Whatever they need, get involved. And Michael, I believe that the work of the ministry builds people. So that a job that anybody gets given, it brings them into the ministry and grows them into the ministry. So, you, you know, don't be afraid to ask people to do things. And let them get involved in somehow, you know. I know we've, we, you've got the one Bible study, but you probably need another Bible study. Get, some, you know, get them involved in another Bible study somewhere. But, but get involved in the work of the ministry. And look to God as your source. And God will bless you. Always be underpaid at work. Always be underpaid at work. Always work harder at work than they pay in you. And I can tell you that no boss will watch you being underpaid for a long time and not give you an increase. But if you're sneaking off, going and around the corner and saying, chips, here comes the boss, let's work quickly, that is when you, you won't get blessed. But work as hard as you can for your boss and you will be blessed. Thank you. I'll just close in prayer. Father God, thank you. And Father, we thank you for your word and we know that your word would not return void. Father, we ask for your blessing on Alpha and Omega. And Father, we know that the pastors here are doing a great job in feeding the people. So Father God, we just ask you to bring those that are out there into this place of worship that every seat may be full when the time is right, Father God. Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that every week there will be somebody here that needs to know Jesus Christ as Lord. Every week there will be somebody coming to visit that needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Father, we thank you for that in the precious, precious name of Jesus. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.